Welcome, everyone, to District Divided, a DC sports podcast, specifically a commander's podcast. I am Amit, and my other host here is KDOT. KDOT, how are you doing? Uh, fuck everything. Cool. Perfect. Me too. Um, this episode is a lot about the game that occurred last night. The New York Giants ended up winning at our place 20 to 12 for half a moment there. I thought we were going to get another 2020 tie. That was not meant to be. Um, so we are going to talk about the game. Of course, we're going to talk about our offense uh, or lack thereof, our defense. And uh, yeah, big shout out to the referees as well. Um, Kidot, is there any particular category you want to begin with there on the board? Offense, defense, referees and coaching. We'll talk about coaching as well. Trust me. Let's go positives. Let's start with positives. Sure. Brad start Robinson had a nice game. Brian Robson looks good, and he does look yeah. like he's getting healthier um, after every game. Uh, so that's a good thing. I mean, mm-hmm. um, one would wonder why people might not utilize him more if he's having such a good game, but we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Brian has looked amazing. And even when we were doing our pre-show, you reminded me, Jahan Dotson looks great. And it's something that like, I've been very critical of Taylor on my yelling last week. I said, just give him opportunities, right? Give these guys opportunities. Get the skilled mm-hmm. players involved. Um and uh, while nothing was on target, he definitely made Jahan. Um, Jahan was good if he got the 50-50 balls, you know, and that adjustment that he made on that long bomb was amazing. Amazing. Um, it, the thing that I always go back to Jahan is that he reminds me a lot of Terry year one, right? And not necessarily just from, from not necessarily from a physicality standpoint, but from a standpoint of the boy looks like a uh, veteran already. The, the savvy that he plays with in certain plays in certain areas and the, the calmness at which he does things, it just screams that we have some we have some legit playmakers on this offense. And um, the more we go along, the more I think with them getting more starts under the belt, the, the, the better they'll look. Yeah. And so and just to mention their stat lines as well, Jahan Dotson, four catches, 105 yards and a touchdown, easily his best day as a pro, in my opinion. Um, and then under the lights as well, national TV. Uh, and then our other rookies, so both rookies, Brian Robinson Jr., 12 carries, 89 yards. Uh, and we will get into perhaps using him more. Uh, also, one catch for 18 yards on the very opening drive. He looked primed to have a huge day. Um, mm-hmm. but it apparently was not meant to be. Um, and on that note, why don't we go ahead and begin with the offense? Because there was also a rookie for the New York Giants, Kayvon Thibodeau, who had himself a pretty nice day. Um, I believe at the end of the first half, he had seven tackles. Three of those were tackles for loss. He had the sack, the strip fumble, and the touchdown all on the same play, um, beating Charles Leno with tremendous ease, uh, getting to Taylor Heineke before he released the ball. Ron Rivera postgame says, Taylor's got to let it go sooner. Um, that offense outside of Brian Robinson and Jahan Dotson was bad. Straight up bad. Uh, 12 points. Yeah, you could argue 14. 
Yeah, you could even make the case for 18, maybe 20. But overall, if you were to be honest with yourselves, it was bad. KDOT, we talked a lot about Heineke, Wentz, whatever. Let's just talk about the offense in general. You can get into the specifics after that. Go ahead. Floor is yours. They are not generating enough points. Keep it simple. Um, outside of them not generating enough points is that, oh, God, where to start? Because the moment that I start going down one road in my head, then another thing pops up in my head, and I get angry about that. So then I think about the other thing, and I've lost my train of thought. Um, Sorry, one last thing. Um, Instead of just shouting out coaching separately, feel free to incorporate it in this section. We'll do the same thing with defense, same thing overall, stuff like that. Go ahead. Got you. All right. So the the thing that I notice on offense more than anything, and it's the thing that I keep preaching about, is there needs to be a level of consistency, right? Um, that doesn't seem to be happening on offense, game in and game out. You go through these stretches of time where it looks like, oh wow, this thing is working. Let's keep going. And then they either go away from that because it's never usually self inflicted, right? The things that are working, they they go away from them, but it's more about it them going away from it just on their own. It's not necessarily because the defense is necessarily dictating anything. It's just, Hey, we're running the ball in an amazing clip. And now we're going to turn it to the Taylor Heineke show, even though there wasn't really a need or necessity to do so in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something you can look through through different parts of the season. It's just like, if something's working, you can stick with it. There's nothing wrong with sticking with it. Cause we've had our most success when we do stick with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty, like you get around the red zone, it's like, okay, now I get the penalties, especially near at the end of the game, but it's like, dude, line it up and do it again. Like you're on four down territory. You got time now. At this point, we're even looking at the time and maybe there's going to be too much time left on the clock for New yes. York. So you've got more than enough time to run it some more. Like you got a guy who's running the best game that he's run all fucking year. He's been your bell cow. He's the reason we're here on offense, right? Like there's if there's one person more responsible than anybody else on the field for the success that we've had on offense this season has been Brian motherfucking Robinson. And this was his game to make that shit happen. You put the ball in his hands to make that shit happen. I look, I take running it four fucking times at the goal line and not getting in behind Brian Robinson and live with that. More not live with any other aspect of what you're doing there. Especially in that game. Right. Right. So uh, because it is working, I decided to look at the carries he had. He had one for negative two. He had one for no gain. The next shortest gain was four yards and then it was five and then it was five and then it was five and it was seven and it was seven and it was 12 and it was he had a great consistent game. So and it took for those that minus two, that zero more than one person every single time to bring him down. So why on earth is he not getting the ball more? That's where I point to coaching. That's where I point to Scott Turner going. It seems we had a plan and we were just going to stick with it pregame. And that's sort of what it was because Curtis Samuel had three carries for negative two yards in the first half. And the fact that he got two more carries when Brian Robinson in the second half, when Brian Robinson got four carries, in the second half is insane. And especially with the way that every time that Curtis touched a ball, the momentum stopped dead completely. And then what did it turn into the Taylor Heineke show? Because then you're getting into second and long 
or you're getting into, oh, fourth and one, because we ran him on third and three, and he yep. got two yards. So the inability to adjust yesterday in particular was very, very frustrating because I know we've talked about Scott Turner. You know my feelings on him. I know your feelings on him. He can have his good days. He can have his bad days. In that spot off of a bye, it is particularly frustrating. For that I'd agree with you. Good. Look, my biggest thing with Scott Turner is I actually believe in the scheme. Right. I believe yes. in certain aspects of the offense. His game flow is dog shit. Um, it has been all year. Literally, if the only thing that I can point to you working properly is hand the ball to the guy, don't overthink it and run forward, then there's not much being asked of you as an offensive fucking coordinator. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like the bar is really low for you to fuck this thing up. And when you have guys that, you know, can run the goddamn football. Like you saw, and we'll get to the defensive side, but just as an offensive thing that, oh, maybe we should have done that. When you look at that 97-yard uh, drive that, say, that uh, the Giants mm-hmm. put together, yep. and it screamed of those memories that we have of the last two seasons where we have those drives like that, right, mm-hmm. where we have that back-breaking where it's, hey, the run game might not have been working through the whole day, but you know what we're going to do? Run it down your motherfucking throat. And you know what ends up working? It starts fucking working because the defense gets tired, right? Why in the world? The longer you go on through this game where you've got a guy averaging the amount of yards that he is averaging and only getting better, give him less opportunities. Yeah, it's mind boggling to me because all we've done on this podcast is talk about and everybody. This isn't just us. We're not we're not just these brilliant like we'll have good takes. Everyone will have good takes. They'll have bad takes. Everyone of their mother knows Brian Robinson Jr. is getting better and better and better each week. He then gets a week off and he looks great. He looks yep. great the whole game. Only 12 carries in that spot, given our identity, given everything we've done the past few weeks on our winning streak, on our winning six of the last eight, five, one and one, whatever you want to say. I don't know why the hell we got away from that. I can't explain it. See, the only thing that I can point to, and this is where it goes, in the, and I'm not going long winded on this, I promise you is that when it comes to the opportunities you're giving, maybe you get excited about some of the skills players that you see and, oh, we want to take shots. Because, look, there are certain parts of the game where our guys are open down the field, so you want to go take those shots. But there we go with Taylor Heineke not executing when I need him to execute. Like, he, every every game he has those one or two moments you're like, yo, this dude. What did Chris Collins say? The pixie dust, the magic pixie dust, right? right, right. They kept talking that. about, and mm-hmm. it's and it's true. There is a magical pixie dust that is that it, that is there around Shane Falco, Taylor Heineke, right? Mm-hmm. But then you have fundamental shit where everything looks harder than it needs to be, and when you realize that, and what you're seeing from the quarterback position, that what you what do you need to do? Limit that. Either go full tilt with the shit and don't half ass it. Or know that, hey, we have limitations here, and there's another thing that's working, so let's do that, right? And that's the thing that I don't, I, I just don't get. You have a team that we finally got to a point where we were kind of understanding what the identity was, and now mm-hmm. you're you're half-assing what it is you think the identity is? The fuck is that? Like, I, uh, I was just going to say, I think it's particularly amazing to do that fresh off of a bye in your biggest game of the season is to begin questioning your identity based on the After you call. just played this team before. <laughs> and guess what Brian Robinson did there? 21 carries, 96 yards. He was looking stronger as the game went on. I don't know what more you need to see. It is the same fucking opponent. It is the same team. 
It is the same. Do you remember that graphic NBC did where they're literally letting everybody, the defense for the Giants, letting everybody into the club? And there's a freaking rave going on. It was a great yep. graphic. They have allowed over 150 yards rushing and like some touchdowns in the last three, four weeks. NBC knows it. The producers know 12 it. carries to your starting running back. 12 carries. Then your your backup running back who always shows flashes if you give him enough opportunities, finishes the game with five carries on 21 yards rushing. The longest run he had was 10 yards. That's not some shitty day. If you're the spell back, he should have double those fucking opportunities because Robinson should well be on his way to pass 30 fucking carries, right? Like, that's... What are you doing? But then even with that, so you have the coaching, which is one thing, and then offensively, mm-hmm. The offensive line, like we knew, we, we knew there was going to be an issue with Larson going down. Yeah, the center yep. coming in. But look, we thought we had this plethora of tight ends this offseason that we're going to, oh, we got blocking guys, we got receiving guys, we got this, we got that, and the other. That position is a fucking chasm right now. Yeah, it is. Logan Thompson, what he's doing out there on the field half the fucking time. I don't know what any of them really either. Doing. He had the illegal motion. You remember that? Where he genuinely looked lost. Clearly, like we were playing fucking arena football. Like you would stand there, pass a lot of scrimmage when they end up snapping the fucking ball. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody could call that ticky tacky. I don't know. It looked very egregious to me as far as him running towards the line. I know they talk about Tyreek Hill. He's not getting that vertical north and south when he's running those crosses. It just does not happen that way. If be be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um so the offensive line, what it, Kayvon Thibodeau looking like fucking Lawrence Taylor. Like, I was worried for incredible. Taylor. I was like, he about to get Joe Theismann out this bitch. Like, it's just, he looked incredible. And when you see some of these things, and it's like, why, why, is, why is Cole Turner or John Bates on Kayvon Thibodeau? What's happening on the goal line? That's what you, you scheme that up that way? What, what are you doing? What, what, what's happening there? Like, we talk about it. These, this team and the way that we're playing, which to me is below the standpoint of what we should be playing. But if we are going to play this way, you have to take advantage of every single opportunity you have. The mental errors, the mistakes, and everything else, you can't have at all. Otherwise, you have zero chance of winning the game. You can't do it. So there is a level of we're not asking you to do a lot. And when we don't ask you to do a lot, it means – what we do ask of you, you need to execute pretty fucking flawlessly. Mm-hmm. And they're not doing that. They're just not doing that. And I look at Taylor as the chief of that, right? It's like, we're not asking you to do a lot. What we are asking you to do, you better be fucking Johnny on the spot with that shit. It's the same way you because the offense looks so simplified compared to what it is that a Scott Turner offense is supposed to look like, right? Now, I don't mm-hmm. know what that is. I don't know if it's because they can't trust Taylor. I don't know if Scott just doesn't trust himself. We know that the game flow doesn't fucking work, right? So whatever it is, they better figure it the fuck out because San Francisco's coming to eat us fucking dinner. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, having to play that team on Christmas Eve at their place. Rock going Purdy to looks fucking- incredible. Yeah, forget forget their offense, just their defense, which is number one in the NFL. And Heineke is the starter, uh, according to Rivera, and will continue to be. But again, we'll see how long that leash is. Um, hey, Sam Howell's looking pretty good to me. I'm, I'm about to relent that fucking point to you. Hey, you're not going to hear a whole lot of complaints from me. Right now, to me, you know what? I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. Um, 
you know how much I love Heineke. You know I enjoy also trolling you about him and stuff like that. But I'll, I'll also be fair. Um, the throw to Curtis Samuel on the sideline. That's a walk-in touchdown, right? Uh, and that is one where he threw it behind him and Curtis is forced to go out of bounds because that's where his momentum takes him. Yep. That's one we've seen Carson hit uh, yep. week one against. And th- this isn't me saying let's move to Carson. This is just pointing it out. Yeah, right. Right. Um, it was a great throw to Terry week one. Does he always make that throw Carson Wentz? No, no. but capable. And, and so I understand where you come from when you say, hey, there's this air Coriel offense, it's verticals, and you want to be able to fit into those windows. Um, Jahan the Jahan throw as well, um, which, by the way, what an adjustment from Jahan Dotson that's... to be able to get around Pinnock and <laughs> get that. Ca- it was wonderful. But, but the, also... that's that's what makes the skill position players so amazing. Like they they're amazing it. to me. Correct. And so I think that yesterday we say he wasn't asked to do a lot. And I think that's largely true because only 29 attempts. That being said, just to this air Coriel offense that, you know, you discussed on after the pod, we took a lot of shots downfield, one of which was a flea flicker that he overthrew to Diame Brown. And so he had it in him, honestly. Yeah. Well, I think that sort of surprised everybody. It was like it was almost a nice incompletion because it's like, hey, he actually does yeah, have more arm sure. strength than yep, we thought. So, so maybe he can do this. But it is the consistency that you discuss. And unfortunately, Taylor was not consistent yesterday even if you think he had some nice throws we know he's capable of that but that consistency is incredibly important it was lacking yesterday he was lucky not to get that thing picked in the end zone at the end of the game where the it should have been it was in his hands it Uh, Jahan just happened to be near him and I think maybe threw him off somehow but that was absolutely I'm just trying to be fair we've talked about dropped interceptions with Carson yep that was a clear dropped interception that We don't even talk about the referees if that. Well, I don't remember if that was after or before. Um, maybe we do talk about the referees, but it was a bad throw nonetheless. I think it was after. Um, I, I want to mention one thing without getting into like a preview about San Francisco, because sure. I, I just think it's important to talk about because it's something that we've talked about. and something that especially that you talk about. Is it like us being almost like a miniature or like a micro uh, great value version of San Francisco? Right. Yeah. Um, and you look at what San Francisco or at least what the the uh the the brand for san francisco has been recently is the idea with jimmy g is that he's not a guy that throws over the top lots of short dink stuff high accuracy they're not asking a lot of them on the offense right mm-hmm. and then brock purdy comes in and i think the expectation or the thought process is because they're not asking him to do a lot that he's having success within the offense can i ask you how much of san francisco have you watched play this year a little bit in spots a little more with purdy just because so, of the intrigue. Yeah. So I spent night before last, I would watch an episode of White Lotus season one and I'd watch an hour and a half of all 22 film. And I went back and forth the entire. Okay. Night. I spent time watching Taylor Carson early for us Tua, because I have some takes about Tua in the charters. Okay. Um, And also I, after the pot, I want to tell you about your charters take that I want to, I want to come back on. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. And Jimmy G and Brock Purdy. And the thing that I realized that I did not know, because I did not spend a lot of time watching San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan's office is completely different than it was the years before. They're not running crossing routes. They're running deep shots down the fucking field. <laughs> like, it's... Then you start looking at Jimmy G's stats, and you're like, hold up. He's got that many yards? He's got... 
Why is Ayuk a top 10 receiver? They're throwing it down the field. It ain't the yak shit with Depot anymore. And the thing that they're asking Purdy to do, they're not asking Purdy to relent. You know what they're actually telling Purdy to do? Do more. There's less play action. There's more throwing it down the field. So there's a part of me that thinks or conceptualizes, while I have issues with Taylor, is there a chance that because Scott Turner knows Taylor, or at least thinks he knows Taylor, because remember, the only Mm -hmm. reason he's here is because he's got Turner. Yeah, that's true. Have they limited the offense unnecessarily? Oh, I see. Okay, so that's a bit of a reverse. That's interesting. That is interesting. If he did take more shots, I don't know. Jury's still out. I don't think Taylor has enough accuracy to do it that much downfield. Um, And especially when you see almost every one of the bomb plays, there's a receiver having to make a major adjustment to to get the ball or it's double, triple coverage. So I don't know if he's even capable of doing that. But it was an interesting thought to me is that if you're going to be believe in this guy to be the star of the rest of the season and you have an offense that's built around a vertical fucking offense, then he either plays in the system or he doesn't play in the system. And my thing is like the half-assing it. Is the is the me the, the, the sort of an issue now? Well, wait, what half-assing it? Sorry, half-assing it in the sense of are we a run first power football? Oh, oh, oh philosophically, so, philosophically. Okay, right. okay, understood. Um, okay, well, that's an interesting point because, I mean, again, like, like we were just talking about, we did take a number of shots down the field mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, and so it was one of those things where I think philosophically, if we're talking about Eric Coriel, we stuck with it, uh, but you talk about just the game flow, right? That the goal is to win. The right. goal is to put up points and that's how you win. <laughs> and for, for you to see your running back, cause he had to have seen it. I'm assuming he wasn't calling it from home. And then someone was phoning in. He got eight yards on that play. He was watching it. Scott Turner was to not make that adjustment and go, they can't stop him. Let's keep going until they do. Like, that is still mind numbing to me. A lot of these, he's not the only coach. A lot of coaches overthink and want to be the genius and want to be able to mix it up. And I get it. But like we are until we get consistency from the quarterback position, a run first team, right? The moment yep. you get that consistency from a QB, you get all that confidence, etc. I get it. Air it out because you have that confidence. But um I just thought it was an interesting thought experiment, especially no, I after love it. watching. I love it because it. because it also goes against the grain of what we talked about after the pod, and it shows. Okay, you you were thinking the other way for a moment, and so that was cool. Right, but um, philosophically, one more thing: sure. if you're going to be the run first team, those two punts at the beginning of the game mm. were cowardly. Oh, that's Rivera. They they are they they line. are fucking cowardly because if if your identity is we are going to punch you in the fucking mouth run first any run that we have is going to net you positive yards do you need to look at that area of the field as four down territory Mm -hmm. and the fact that you don't do that gets rid of that momentum and kudos to brian robbins for the next next series up he's still ready to go but as far as the way the rest of the offense works or the way the offense gets in the line with that you feel like you don't believe in us. Yeah. And you get a guy like Thibodeau and everything say, well, yeah, yeah, I believe in me. <laughs> fuck, yeah. fuck y'all. Look, I'm I'm a 31 from DC. So you take this all with a, a pound of salt. It doesn't matter. But from what I see, the run is working. And from what I see, whenever Taylor drops back, Kayvon seems to be in the backfield. So run it. 
And then if you need a boot in a direction, maybe away from Kayvon, who's always lined up at the left tackle position against Charles Leno. Go to the right. In fact, that's even the same. <laughs> Taylor's right-handed. Kind of works, wouldn't it? So, well, you know what was working? Go ahead. And it's another Taylor criticism. The option. Mm-hmm. The option was working. They, they, it didn't work at first, and then they had they got Thibodeau better. was on fucking. Oh, what I do? What I do? What I do? And then Taylor, wrong decision. <laughs> just, yeah, come on, man. Let's um, because there's still a lot to discuss. Let's talk about the defense. Um, who? This is the second game where Daniel Jones has looked good against us in three weeks. And these are the only two games we have. So I recognize that they only put up 13 points on offense, but there was something very soul sucking about it. Um, And that 97 yard drive, when you were featuring Richie James, Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton as your wide receivers. And it took eight minutes off the clock. And I was watching with Ridge where your helmet at. And I was like, this feels like we're being Washington. This must be what it feels like because we haven't touched the ball in fucking ages. Our defense is getting tired. And now we're going to have a cold offense come in. Spin move, spin move, spin move. Oh, that last drive. Saquon, Uh, Saquon, just shout out to him. Props to him because he had a great game and his talent showed that that can that can happen. It's frustrating, but that can happen. He's a, he's a superstar running back. Like he's incredible, but the passing game working as efficiently as it was, we talked about it in the preview, make Daniel Jones beat you. Well, he did. And that's very, very frustrating. The fourth and nine was a big fuck you to our defense to go for that. I could not believe it. They took the timeout and I was like, okay, Oh, well, maybe they'll take a delay a game off of the timeout and they'll punt it. Just give the punter a little extra room. They snapped that motherfucker and they threw it. How he was open. I can tell you. Just take it from me because that was, we had two weeks to prepare for this game. I can't get over that. We had so much time and this was so important and it was at home. We didn't need to travel for it. Go ahead. Number one. I can't describe to you how much that defense misses Benjamin St. Juice. I I can't. The defense plays as though no one trusts anybody else. No one knows what their job is, and they trust the other people around them to do their jobs. This soft shell fucking defense that we have is a bend but don't break defense. And that's the thing, is that at the end of the day, if you look at the defense, you see the amount of points and everything they put up. Yeah, you'd say, oh, fairly successful day, right? right? And I think that's been the thing that Jack Del Rio on this defense has done is that they, we do not play necessarily dictating to offenses as much as we're playing almost with our heels back and just, hey, they're going to get this, give them that, give them this, just be here to make sure we can stop them. But you look at New York, what New York spent the last two weeks doing is saying, we're going to run the offense the way that Washington runs the offense. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do it in a way in which we don't need everything all at once. We'll take we'll, we'll 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 play the time possession game with you. And if you're going to give us an automatic seven to ten yards every time that we throw the football because you're playing fifteen yards off the fucking line, mm-hmm. we'll take it. Man, no worries, we got it. Then when it's fourth and nine, and it's like, well, the offense doesn't look like it's doing anything spectacular. They're like, 
oh, we don't need to do anything spectacular. You're giving us these nine yards. It's already automatic. We know. We see what you're doing on defense. We gave them a rhythm. They already had five first downs. They knew. They knew what to do. They knew what to do. This isn't, it wasn't a Patrick Mahomes, we're going to light you up sort of thing. This is what Daniel Jones was doing in that game is what I asked Taylor Heineke to do most Mm -hmm. of the time, right? Which is, we're not asking you to do a lot. Not a lot is going to ever be asked of you. But what it is you see on the field, we need you to execute in those plays. And Daniel Jones put the ball right where it fucking needed to be. The, as once again, those wide receivers could have – any one of those guys could come into my house right now, punch me in the face with their cock, and I wouldn't have a fucking clue who they were. I have no idea who these guys are. Get, if you put a gun in my head, the only name I remember was Darius Slate. I don't even remember the other guy's name already. But he just said him. <laughs> Jesus. These yeah. motherfuckers just knew – it's automatic. And, and the thing at the end of that game with that fucking drive, it was what we would usually do. Is it, look, we've not been lighting up the scoreboard all day. But you know what mm-hmm. we are going to do? We know that we can run the football on you. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to take all the time possession. We're going to let your offense get cold as shit because they're not in the fucking rhythm. And we're going to beat the brakes off you. We're going to look you right in the face. You're going to know exactly what's coming. And we're going to do it to you. It what. It was a mirror being held up to us. Yep. Yep. That's exactly what it was. And that's what makes it so. Brian Dable. Bravo. This is Bill Belichick level. Fuck you, energy. This is Bill. Be- this is level of. <laughs> I'm going to beat you with your own fucking game plan. I'm not going to forget that fourth and nine for a while. I don't think you're going to forget that for a while. That potentially broke this team, like the, the way you see it. Because after that, there was no doubt in my mind they were going to score. I mean, a touchdown. Because if you're scoring that, or if you're getting a fourth and nine that easily, why should anybody believe on that defense? That was demoralizing, the way that that went down. And And go back to that defensive line still doing that same shit. The gap discipline not being what it needs to be. They're getting way too far upfield. It's just not the way that they have to do things on defense. And that secondary do not trust each other they don't you can see it mm-hmm. in a way to play now qbr is a very flawed statistic in many ways uh but i do like it because it provides an alternate look at how the quarterback did so i'll read you both of them right so daniel jones 21 of 32 160 yards a rating passer rating of 77.6 okay heineke 17 to 29 249 yards a touchdown no pick a passer rating of 98.2. You look at the stats and you go, Oh, Heineke probably had the better game because the passer rating suggests it. But anyone that saw the game knows that Daniel Jones had the much better game. Daniel Jones quarterback rating 74 50 is average. So he played a well above average. Yep. Taylor Heineke's 35.7. He also got sacked three times for 21 yards, including the strip sack. That was seven points. And Daniel Jones did not get sacked once. On the talk. game that we all thought we were going to have the pass rush. It was going to get there to do this, any other. And it felt like the Washington team from the first few weeks of the season didn't know what the fuck it is they were doing. And look, I maybe I'm giving Benjamin St. Juice too much credit, but I'm just looking at who was on the field when we were doing the best shit that we've been doing mm-hmm. and why have we forgotten to do it. And I'm looking at the way they're playing off the line of scrimmage they are playing scared. 
They're playing scared defense. I don't remember any defense having sustained success playing scared. You mm-hmm. play dictating to the other team. When I see Thibodeau out there, I'm like, why, why can't our guys be eating like that? Why, 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 why what, what, yeah. what's happening? And even if I we it's totally fair, like, it's just what's happening. I, I want to just say, and it's, it's okay. You may think spoiled, whatever. I don't think it's unfair of you as a fan to expect this defensive line to wreak havoc each and every week. There are three Absolutely. first round picks on that fucking line. They should be mauling these people, at least and we've one seen of them, them do every it. single play. Right. But then that's where the discipline comes in. And Daniel Jones' ability, 10 carries, 35 yards. By the way, I want to talk about that QBR figure, 74. KDOT, if I were to just throw that on the regular season, like you have regular season QBR based off the accumulation of games, mm-hmm. right? Um, where would that rank? Let's say that were his season QBR, 74. Where do you think that would rank? A 74 oh. QBR? Yeah. Let's say that was Daniel Jones season QBR. Where would that rank amongst all quarterbacks? Uh, this year? This year. Top 12? Top 12. You're right. Uh, do you want to know how close? No. Nah, well, yeah, I do want to know. Second. I okay. I want to put second highest behind Patrick Mahomes. I want to put that in perspective for people. Yeah. I mean, 74 was basically a masterclass at QB. He threw it away when he needed to. He took the five, six yard out every single time. And to KDOT's point, he was consistent and he kept the chains moving because that was, and we actually were about 30 minutes, 30 minutes, but he did exactly what the Giants asked him to do. That's, that's it. That results in the second highest QBR. If that were his season QBR, I recognize it's just the game, but the next highest currently in second place to at 71.8 and his is going down pretty rapidly. Uh, considering how their season is currently mm-hmm. unraveling. Um, any other any other thoughts on the defense besides we miss St. Juice? And I don't blame you for it because um, I know I was beating the Brian Robinson drum like a motherfucker. I was like, he's coming back. It's going to be awesome. He's coming back. It's going to be awesome. You could see the player or you could see the difference a player makes. And then even you were like, yeah, Brian Robinson, my God. Like, you know, it, one player can make a huge difference. It provides Absolutely. confidence to everybody. A hundred percent. And I think that the way that defense plays in those, that soft ass fucking zone, it's just, oh, I wonder if the guy's going to come through my zone. I need to make sure that I'm ready. I hope that guy's ready. You know, it's like they're playing nice. Yeah. Well, fuck, well, what are you doing? Danny Johnson, that very first uh, possession, I thought was great. He had two he pass breakups. Okay, here good we start. Go. They were testing him early. They were. And he was rising to the occasion. And then. The rest of the game happened for the rest and of the defense. <laughs> it, it goes back to saying, look, if I had to overall look at the way the defense played, I go back to that is a Super Bowl caliber defense. It is. I, that is a defense that you cannot. I would never sneeze at, especially when healthy. Right. Um, I look at that defense and I said they did more than enough that it should have ensured a win. I look at that drive, that back breaking 97 yard drive and say, play with more pride anyone should play with more like i but i'm not going to criticize because i know they're beating themselves up more than anybody else about that one right and yeah. we've been on the we've we've dished that out to other teams mm-hmm. um and with a guy like saquon barkley even though he hasn't played like that in a very long time this year um i understand you have once one of those that go that way i totally get it but 13 points that should be a fucking victory so if i'm looking yeah. at any one of the uh, if I'm looking at offense or defense, 
This is squarely on the fucking offense. Correct. The defense is doing more than enough in that game to make it happen. The Giants understood and knew we're not going to be able to do too much against this fucking defense. So what did they do? Make sure they played as mistake-free football as they possibly can because in those games, the same way we've always talked about, the margin of error is extremely small. And when it is extremely small, what do you have to do? Execute and don't turn it over. Mm-hmm. They did just enough. We did not. Um, let's touch on the offense one more time. If I were to give you the following three um, entities, I'll say, because we've got a coach, we've got a quarterback, we've got a unit. Um, and you were to rank sort of level of responsibility or blame or whatever you want to do. Scott Turner, Taylor Heineke, offensive line. How do you rank that? Scott Turner, number one, because anybody like the only Taylor Heineke is out there because of the coach. <laughs> so sure. I take responsibility. The offensive line is there because of the coaching staff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even though if you look at it, Brandon Sheriff is graded lower than Andrew Norwell this season. If you're looking at offensive line stats, <laughs> just like, okay. I want to okay. that out there. <laughs> um, but depth, things like that, right? Um, why is Eric Flyer still a fucking free The uh, great question. <laughs> so if I'm looking at that aspect of it, I am going to go number one. Game flow, getting away from the run, things like that. Scott Turner, inexcusable. While I am a fan of the concept of your offense, I am. Mm-hmm. You either need to adjust for the guys there or go all in and say, fuck it. This is the way the offense is. This guy's just not working properly. Because once again, power run is part of the vertical offense. You have that power run. Right. And to be clear, when we were talking after the pod last week, I don't mind the style of offense. I mind the person running it. And that's where we ask for the totally specification. Fair. Of, totally fair. Do you believe in the person that is the student of? The, I believe the, yeah. in the person and the 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 style of offense if he has the right quarterback. Fair enough. <laughs> so, fair and enough. that's a lot of caveats that any human Correct. being should have in the National Football League. I right. give you that. Um, second okay. off, I second. would say, yeah. Um, I'm hard pressed to say this. I'm going Heineke number two. Okay. Because I don't think the offensive line is that much different than it has been. I think Taylor played a little more scared this game. Mm. He had he had happy feet. And he didn't and uh, and if he does do one or two things differently, we're not really talking about the offensive line of that. We're talking about a spectacular Taylor Heineke win. If he realizes that the pylon is not the only thing that establishes that you're in the end zone. <laughs> You're talking about you, cutting in? <laughs> you can cut in just for a second. The whole, I'm going to turn my back and expose my spine to try to dive backwards into the, and try to touch a pylon. There are other ways to do that, but any it, it reminiscent of last year, the Green Bay game <laughs> going into the end zone. It's just right. more than one way to get in the end zone and make a touchdown, buddy. Um, yeah. And then and a then couple. The line three. There's just, there's a couple, but then the line three. But it, like I'm looking at the line and looking at Taylor Haneke like, that's where together. I, it's I, like two A two B. That's yeah. That's sort it's of where I'm at with that. I'm with you. I'm with you yeah. on that because the offensive line look they've been playing like dog shit, but they're also bang the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not that they're not playing with effort. <laughs> it's just they're not that good. Yeah, and I mean the thing, the reason I do two A two B, and I, I am fine with either one that you put slightly above yeah. the other. I'm cool with it because if. If that strip sack happens, and I know Rivera was critical of it, Kayvon still got there quickly. Um, and so 
if that's happening, I can see a QB, any QB, feeling a bit rushed mentally. And all of a sudden, the mechanics aren't right. All of a sudden, you're stepping up when you actually have the time. Like, it wouldn't matter if Carson were back there if he's getting hit that often. Like, that's just what it is. You even see Brady. You know, you hit him a few times, and all of a sudden, he's a bit off. Like, this just happens to QBs. So the offensive line was poor. But when Taylor did have time, he had to be better. He had to be better. And he mm-hmm. wasn't. And so that's why I go to a to B. But to me, Scott Turner, uh, undoubtedly number one. Down. I will say this. If the <laughs> if Taylor's going to be getting sacked this many times again, because what? Five times in the Giants game, the, the first mm-hmm. one, right? And then three times in this one. If he's getting sacked that much, then the biggest advantage you have Taylor Heineke back there. Yeah, it's better to me. Is gone away. So sure, his so capability is like, not working. If, then, it, if that's not have? working, if he's getting scared behind the offensive line and not playing the way he needs to, then unless some change with the offensive line, which I don't see happening, yeah. um, then I don't want him back there anymore. And I'm here to say I understand that because I think that pixie dust, uh, if we were to boil it down to a skill, is the escapability and his ability to make off schedule plays. And if you don't have the pixie dust, then yeah. Either give it back to Carson or see what you got in Sam. And I, I still it. go. The biggest pixie dust moment of that entire game was the dropped interception in the Genzo. Yeah, that's <laughs> a real pixie dust. I would, I, I would have to agree. I would have to agree. Um, let's go ahead. And so we've talked about the offense. We've talked about the deal. Ah, we got to talk about it. We do. We do. And I think you and I are pretty good about saying, hey, it was in our hands. You know, we can control the controllable stuff like that. Um, that has to be mentioned because even major networks mentioned it and you had a situation where not one, but two different rules analysts who normally protect their own literally said that was wrong. Um, Which two did you hear from Dean Blandino and Terry McCauley? Dean Blandino's to me was the most eye-opening. Yeah. Because he in particular is very, very well. We don't know. I mean, heck even the Raiders call, with Keelan Cole, he's like, oh, well, uh, to me, it seemed pretty clear that Keelan Cole stepped out of bounds. To a lot of people, it seemed very clear. And Dean Blandino is going, maybe. Yep. For him to come out and say that is too technical a call on Terry McLaurin, who checked with the referee, the referee acknowledges. And if you want to dissect the video to the point where you go, Terry didn't turn a second time, you're right. He didn't turn a second time. But the point is he made the effort in that situation to say, am I on the line? That communication occurred. There was an acknowledgement. And if you're going to call that fucking bullshit, don't be a ref in this league. If because you're going to call that fucking bullshit. Acknowledgement. That acknowledgement alone is I am trying to adhere to the rule. I had nothing to do with this play. No advantage. You decided to take it into your own fucking hands. The most egregious part of it to me is that if you are playing by the rules, and that is what it is you want to call it, then under no circumstance can you let the pass interference go in the final fucking play. Yeah. You can't do that. If you're going to do this bullshit thing where it's, well, we don't call the game the same way in the fourth quarter, that all the ex-players are saying, all these people are saying, then show me the consistency between that call and the pass interference, which was one of the most egregious. That it was wasn't some ticky tacky thing. He's mauling him from the moment he crosses into the end zone. That's yeah. first and goal from the one. I don't give a fuck what situation it is. Clear as day. Uh, clear as day. I've seen, you know, uh, the Saints felt really hard done by the Rams where literally their receiver gets torpedoed well before the ball gets there. 
So I've seen egregious pass interferences missed. I don't know what fucking ego complex that guy has where Terry checks. I had a much bigger problem with the formation. It felt like it trapped him. What was Terry supposed to do? He did everything he was supposed to do, right? He checks with the referee. There is clearly on video the referee saying something. There is a conversation. So that to me is the most important part. Yeah, he couldn't wait. He couldn't wait. By the way, same referee that called the, and Chris Collinsworth hated it, the ticky-tacky Jahan Dotson on the two-point conversion, that sort of offensive PI. I understand that could go either way. I understand the call. But there was no consistency. moment, right, exactly. In that moment, to call that is a joke. And it's as simple as that. It is as simple as that, not to mention the defensive PI you talked about, where Giants fans are celebrating this like they won the fucking Super Bowl. That dude was all over him. If I were allowed to do that, I might have even broken up that play. If you're allowed to do whatever you want to a wide receiver, you got yourself a shot, kid, because that was absurd. That was absolutely absurd. And this happened not just in our game. This happened all over the place. Like these refs just need to become better, need to. And it's it's so sad to see a number of these games get determined by bullshit like that. That to me is the conversation that has to have behind this. Look, when it comes to this particular game, you and me are on the same page. It was not the ref's fault we lost the fucking game. Uh, yes. Anyone saying that Completely shit, get, get over yourselves. It's not the case. Even if we score... There's a two-point conversion needs exactly. to happen, exactly. and there's still a lot more that has to happen that has that game not end in another bucket. Side. And you just and said I, we're not handing it off to Brian Robinson on the two-point conversion. We're probably throwing it. It's who right. knows. Right. And after seeing what the Giants did on that 97-yard fucking play, what's to say they don't do the same goddamn thing if they get the ball in, the, uh, in overtime? A so, lot had to happen for that us shit. to still win. Yeah. Right. Off of that shit. So if we're going to, off of that, you're looking at a multi-billion dollar league with referees that aren't all full-time, as a matter of fact, I think they I think they got rid of the program. I don't think any of them are full time anymore. No, the, none, um, of them are. none of them are full time. Which look, you give them the full time doesn't necessarily change anything. Paying them more doesn't necessarily change anything. But here's what it does. Here's what comes down to it. There is no accountability system built in for these guys fucking these plays up. And now, if you're in a league in which you can suspend Calvin Ridley for an entire season for betting on games, where I'm putting a bunch of money on fucking games every week. Everyone's putting fucking money on games every week. You got betting on every other fucking commercial, bringing people to the league. You don't think that makes people question the integrity of the fucking game? If we have these human errors that should not be allowed to happen or be could be corrected if people could get rid of the ego and say, let's, let's make sure that these are situations in which we can get the right fucking call in. Like there, there's no reason that we can't figure this out. There's no reason that you, there should the record chip should be in the fucking football. We have technology to make sure the ball's where it is they need to be. Right. They, they have officials that can sit in the fucking league office in New York. They can say, "Oh, let's stop the game for a moment to get this fucking play." I was right. gonna say, can we not? So, uh, you know, there is a thought of make PI reviewable via challenge. I disagree with that because that becomes very, very difficult. That could take a lot of time. Stuff like that. We do have these expedited reviews that seem to work really well and everyone's a fan of. 
Could they not wait 30 seconds? It's similar to VAR in soccer. Could you not just wait 30 seconds and go, if it is egregious and you can tell within 30 seconds that it is PI, call it. If it's not, then continue. And at least we have someone to direct towards and be like, how did you not think that was egregious? That's fine. This could this could easily be an expedited review. In that situation, within two minutes, I think you go, yeah, you can expedite review a situation like that. You saw about final two minutes of a game. Everything should be going back at the min- a minimum to someone to say, it's too hey, important. they call this, let, right. let's get this right. Or they call that, let's make sure we get this right. When those game-changing, you can't have the outcomes of games. Think about this. Even from a standpoint of the integrity of the league, right? If we score, if there's not, if we, uh, if the defensive pass interference is called and we're first in goal at the one and Brian Robinson or anyone scores a touchdown there, the point spread goes from eight to fucking two. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much money is used to change fucking hands for people that are betting and on the over unders? The over everything changes with spreads. This. Yeah, you can't afford to do this shit if you're going to be taken seriously as a league. You're seeming a lot more fucking WWE than you are a professional fucking sports organization, sports yep. league. I mean, I can't believe of all people it was called on Terry McLaurin, who he talked after the game. And normally he he even had to say, I'm not trying to get fined here. You know him like he always you says the right things even and say they fucking up without getting fined. There is it is a zero tolerance policy on the players, on the coaches, whatever. And the referees can run free, man. Like they really can. It is insane because I can understand those of you that go we got jobbed i can because if you if you chose to make that argument after back-to-back plays like that i get it kdot and i we prefer to look at the whole game and go okay this is where we left stuff on the table right where we get it out of the referee's hands but i completely get i completely get you going we got jobbed yesterday i'm okay with that right yeah no, no, i mean i i get it for the we Referee should not, these plays should not ever be in a situation that are even remotely determined to change the outcome of a game. Mm-hmm. But I can't look at that game and say that every opportunity that we had to execute and not make mistakes, that we shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. And mm-hmm. if you're going to be someone who's forgiving of mistakes, then realize the rest of fucking people too. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, it just looks like some of them have money on it. Let's move over to the comment <laughs> mailbag. Um, where we it looked have... like they thought it was going to be a time they wanted to get the fuck home. <laughs> it was cold as shit. <laughs> like, yeah, we... this real quick. Yeah, this might be another fucking 2020 game. I ain't really trying to be here it. for that. I ordered food. It's, it's at the cold. hotel. Let's fucking go. It's cold. You know, hilariously enough, I would have actually laughed out loud if they were like, man, it was cold. I was just trying to get out. <laughs> I was trying to get out. Um, the first comment goes to VA Money Group. Uh, in quotes, I'm not attacking him. This is in reference to K not talking about Taylor Heineke. I wasn't pushing some buttons. It wasn't. We appreciate the comment, VA Money Group. Thank you very much. Uh, we got Tony. Shout out, Tony. Right. We got two uh different ones because Tony, I actually did notice that you had posted something on the last episode after we had finished producing the episode. And so he this is a repost from the last pod. And actually, it looks pretty good right now. As we're gearing up to play the Giants Monday night, oh, Monday night, Sunday night, 
people say the commanders have had three weeks to prepare for the Giants, but has anyone thought that maybe the Giants did not spend much time game planning for the Eagles since they were expected to win that game, they being the Eagles? With the way that game played out and the mathematics of a playoff berth, one could argue the Giants game plan skipped the Eagles and they spent three weeks preparing for us also. And I tell you what, I can easily see that the way that game went yesterday. They looked way more prepared than we did from a coaching staff standpoint. You had K.Dot go Brian Dable, bravo. And uh, there were a couple other people in the media that also said, hey, maybe they punted on the Eagles game knowing that with the tie, this game against the Commanders meant a hell of a lot more. K-Dot, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's actually quite a smart comment there. I, I yeah, and especially knowing who right. Dable learned from, I, I completely see it. Yeah, so Tony, you're great, getting complete great, agreement over here. That's great, a great thought. Comment. Never thought of it that way. Yeah, because it looked like they were way more prepared for that, and they got blown out by the Eagles, and it was, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we're still the Washington game, plan and roll with it. Yeah, it looked great. So excellent comment there. And then there's one more. OMG, that was the greatest after the pod ever. Watching Amit smirk as he trolls KDOT is a priceless meme-worthy moment. This topic has been brewing in KDOT's spirit for several weeks. Amit's been trolling since their original conversation. KDOT conceded twice, and tonight Amit squeezed the trigger and KDOT absolutely lost it. Current count of things that trigger KDOT. Number one, Yacht Bitch. Makes sense. Number two, Tiki Barber. I'd forgotten about that reference. <laughs> and number three, him. Taylor Heineke is better than Carson Wentz. Tony, we love you, man. We really appreciate the comments there. Uh, Johnny Otto has a couple comments as well. KDOT at one hour and three minutes. And then just like a couple of the like mind blown emojis, uh, because that is when the rant began. <laughs> yeah. That was incredible. Um, and then the second one, KDOT is 100% right on Wentz. But will he take the pay cut to stay for a year or two? No chance Ron won't be back next year. We appreciate the comment there, Johnny. Um, no chance Ron won't be back next year. I agree. I agree. Ron will be back next year. Um, will Carson be back next year? I'm going to say maybe. Uh, I, you can't rule it out yet. Uh, but you also can't say, yeah, absolutely. I mean, currently Taylor's starting. Um, but there's a better chance a than there. not. Well, because I'm right, but there's a um, <laughs> I'm 100% right. There's no other alternative. But the um, <laughs> look, Carson, I think the only way he comes back is on a restructuring or whatever the deal is. But I think when Carson looks around the league and realizes that no one thinks of his him, value dropped, his value has dropped dramatically. Yeah. And if there's any team that's going to give him the best opportunity to potentially get out there and show what he can still do it would be us. Um, so at that point, I look towards, does Taylor want to stick around? You know what I think is kind of intriguing uh, is the prospect. We'll save it for after pod. This is District Divided, a DC sports podcast, more specifically a commander's podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, for allowing us to vent and for, uh, again, sticking with us this whole time. I am Amit. That is KDOT. Appreciate the listening. Uh, please like the video if you enjoyed it. Please share it with people that also want to vent and just need to hear people scream into a microphone um, and comment as you always do because we really enjoy reading those and interacting with you guys. Uh, after the pod begins, right? Fuck Tiki Barber. Now. Fuck Tiki Barber. Uh, you know what's interesting to me is seeing, and we're going to see the night game here shortly. Um, All right. Seeing a, there are a series of, brilliant offensive minds in my eyes that I think can resurrect careers of QBs that are sort of, I won't say the graveyard. That's it's a bit morbid, but like, you know, they're, they're on the downhill of their career. 
but there's clearly talent there. So I'm curious to see these next few games with Baker uh, in LA where he is paired up. He was round one pick one. There's clearly talent there. Um, with Sean McVay. I'm a huge Baker guy. I'm a Baker guy. I am too. I am too. So I'm curious to see how it looks. I don't think it's suddenly 300 yards and three touchdowns every week, but like, but this will be the type of thing where can these, and that's where the offensive minds come in. Can they resurrect the confidence of the individual? Right? Because a confident Carson Wentz is a combination. It's a combination. It's a combination. So like, go ahead. I told, I told you I spent all this time watching all 22 on some guys. And one yeah, of the ones that I talked about during the segment, go ahead. <laughs> the one guy that I talked about was uh, Tua. Now, I don't remember if I talked about me breaking down film on Tua last week. You talked but, a little bit about it when you were saying uh, they took away Tyree. They took away one side of the field that he likes throwing to. It's a safe yep. space. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His safe space. And the thing is that after that game, you see everybody else is doing the same thing. Now, Tua has some moments where he's trusting I guess I can deliver the ball somewhere else. And it's looked good in the limited times that he does it. But like you said, the confidence level, right? Mm-hmm. There is this balance where it's just a human interaction sort of thing. Um, you think about the job that you work. And if you have a if you have a manager who might have been there longer but never did what you did, do you trust that they know what they're talking about? And if I do trust that I know what they're talking about, if I do it and I don't see instant results, can I stick with it? I've gotten to this level, which I'm at, got the salary that I have doing things a certain way. So can I really believe or buy in? There's a bunch of just human dynamics that work within football that I don't think get discussed enough. I think that a lot of the game is psychological in the approach um, that that we almost look at these guys the same way that we don't want to be looked upon as employees as just a number. There's just a bunch of statistic, right? But they are people and it's the same way. So, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was talk. I was trying to p- find a Justin Herbert number when we were talking about the Chargers. Yes, I want to make sure that. And look, nobody's asked me about this, but I want to make sure I get this clear as far as the Chargers thing. Mm-hmm. I, under no circumstances whatsoever, blame Justin Herbert for anything wrong with the San- with the Los Angeles Chargers. Mm-hmm. I was looking at the way that the offense was running and the okay. output of the offense, which gave me concern about the Chargers, and yet. You are 100% right, and they are the dark horse to take on some shit this year. Okay, um, cool. Right, right on. All right. Herbert, in my opinion, has the tools to be the second best quarterback in all of football. I agree. I do think he's not as physically gifted as Josh Allen. Not mm-hmm. a lot of people in this world have ever been built as physically gifted as Josh Allen. Fair enough. But I do think he could throw a better football than Josh Allen. Um, he throws and a gorgeous ball, man. Oh, Herbert, that thing. Herbert zips. throws the ball better than. I, look, I think I Mahomes mean, is a god. I I want everybody yeah. to know. I think Mahomes is a god. I don't compare him to anybody else. As a matter of fact, I don't even think he's one. He's just somewhere else, and then we rank everybody. He's playing else. a different sport. Yeah. And then there's the rest. It's just yeah. it, the way what he does at the quarterback position. It's different than anything that anybody does, and I still don't think he's hit his ceiling. Who I've could lose Tyreek Hill? And be better. Once again, it's insane. Psychology. And it's the same thing I talked about when it comes to if you have this cheat code, this netting your results, who blames anybody for not using it? Right. Right. But when you when you remove that, I guess I got to do it the hard way now. And then you do it and you realize, oh, shit, I'm actually Mm -hmm. pretty good at doing it this way. I can get more results doing it this way. And that's when you take that upper echelon as far as who you are as an athlete or who you are as a person, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing with Herbert is that 
They've had injuries on the offense, and outside of the injuries they've had on the offense, um, their offense corner coordinator is Joe Lombardi. Joe, Joe Lombardi. Yeah. When every route in the route tree is a 12-yard curl, <laughs> um, defense, defenses know what to do. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they, they basically drop back in a zone, and there's nowhere to throw the football. When you see the spectacular Herbert plays, they're usually on third down, and they're after he gets out of the pocket. And once he gets out of the pocket, and he's telling guys, just go. Just fucking go. Do Pixie something dust. else. Pixie dust is when Herbert gets to show off. And the thing that if you want to know the difference between the reason I criticize Taylor Heineke so goddamn much mm-hmm. is that when you see a ball thrown from Heineke and the position of the ball to where the receiver is compared to what you see Herbert do in the position of the ball and leading guys and throwing them in a situation, throwing them out of situations or back shoulder, I don't have to do anything but cut my hands like this and the ball's there. Yeah. Herbert is next fucking level. The top guys are next level that way. I don't need my receiver to go out there and do something spectacular because the throw's on point. And that's right. the thing that needs to happen. You know what's spectacular about the receiver? I'm getting open, motherfucker. I got open. I got open enough that there's a window for you to throw this in. And you guess what it won't be? It won't be an interception. You know why? Because as long as you make sure that the other guy can't catch the ball. Right. I got I got you. I got you. I got you covered. I mean, and that's that, the combination. That throw to Mike Williams this weekend was incredible. I mean, only Mike could get it there. And he's got talented receivers. And, and that's why they were my dark horse. I was like, they're getting healthy. They've got Keenan. They've got Mike. They've got yeah, Eckler. 100%. Like, They've got guys, and they've got that bad dude at QB. So you never know. And I said, um, Staley's the best defensive mind in football right now. I understand what I like. Right. The, the only other guy that has is uh, is Ryan's in San Fran, but the um mm-hmm. beyond and he's, he's, he's next guy to get a head coach. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He's, there it is. Yeah, but yeah. everyone that's a coordinator under Shanahan is. You notice be we're coach. beginning to sort of mind meld over here. Like we're beginning to have one singular thought that we just seem to be clicking on at the same time. It, it it's, works. It's starting to happen. Yeah. Because there's only one truth, but there's only the truth. <laughs> it's only one truth. Like we, can, we can meander around it. We can try to have different philosophies that we get it. But once you're in that line. Continue with your uh, Staley point. Um, I forget. Well, Staley? Uh, yeah. One of the, be- the, the best coach game I've seen all year was the Miami LA game with McDaniels versus Staley. To me, that was chess. It was gorgeous to see. And you saw Tua lack confidence. Mm -hmm. You saw Tua absolutely lack the confidence he needed. Because here's the other thing, and this is what Mahomes had to learn. When you got guys that talented, you don't work as hard. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And when you have an offense coordinator that can scheme guys open, you don't work as hard. Which is why I get so frustrated with Washington, man. Because I I look at the weapons that they have on offense, and I'm just Mm -hmm. like, Okay. And I see there's so many times. I'm telling you, how often do you look at the all 22? Uh, not not often because tonight you need to get an NFL fucking premium to, pass. I'm going to go ahead and get the premium. You need pass to get so it. Do this too because it's 4.99. Really one of the one of the first episodes I ever did was uh, it was during COVID and it was determining can Dwayne Haskins rest in peace uh, be a starting NFL QB in this league because we had picked two overall. So it mm-hmm. was Ron Rivera's coming in and the people want to know, can Dwayne do it? And they gave out free passes at the time. And it is awesome. 
I mean, so anyone that hasn't seen the All-22 and you're just a football nerd or you're just obsessed with the game. They need to make it better. There should be, there's no reason it shouldn't be HD quality. In different Fair angles, enough, so. because it is sort of like you're, you're getting a sky cam view of yeah. it, that, hence the All-22. But it's very cool. It is very, very cool. And getting to see Haskins make certain throws, getting to see who's open. That's when last week I had mentioned a lot of people get open is because it's true. Uh, but oftentimes they will be third or fourth read. The defense almost knows it and like is like, okay, it's not it's not even going to get there. Heineke's all 22 but is frustrating. I, I bet it is. I bet it's it is. So um, frustrating. But but you mention you mention uh, to a lack confidence there. Mm-hmm. But the reason I'm not worried about Tua is because Mike McDaniel has this ability. A he's well qualified in and of itself, right? He went to mm-hmm. Yale. He's this very bright guy. He's been around a number of other bright coaches. His ability to get the best out of Tua, which he showed earlier this year, in being aggressive and getting Tyree kill. And I'm willing to bet he'll be able to do it again. Now he's seen Tua struggle. Now he's seen him in sort of a darker place. They're on this losing streak. And you see even Mike McDaniel, who's this very cool, chill dude, change his tone in press conferences. He's starting to get a little irritated. He losing makes everything terrible, exactly. <laughs> yeah. but he knows what's at stake. I'm not saying irritation is a bad thing, right. but he was even asked about like yelling at players and stuff like that. And he's like, why would I, I have a message. And if the message is best delivered through me chatting this way and showing them a video, why would I yell? He very simply explained that because the media associates yelling with, oh, they care. That's passion and stuff like that. Right. Um, heck, we talk about it with Carson. We want to see more emotion, stuff like that. But this is some people. Let me say that. Some people. Because there are people like that. Um, that is what I want out of our offensive coordinator. I'm not saying it needs to be Mike McDaniel. Like he's, he's his own brilliant person. Um, a lot of these guys are. But someone that... You hear Ryan Fitzpatrick talk about the offense. You hear Alex Smith talk about the offense. You hear guys, quarterbacks that have been in this offense. Here's Steve Smith, former wide receiver who knows Scott, who knows Ron, who knows these guys. It is the, it is the offense that we have. And that is that you either fit or you don't. There's no sort of adaptability. These are former players in the system that are talking. There is no ability to adapt. And then we talk about game flow being an issue. That is where my gripe is with the I, guy. I can understand that aspect of it. The only thing, the only counter that I have to that is that, like, I, I do believe that you have to tailor your system nice. to I best you suit. Huh? You have to tailor your system to best suit the guys that you have. Because mm-hmm. if you, you these, these are the guys you have, right? Correct. The problem to me goes with there are two quarterbacks on this team. That are known for their arms. Yes. There There's are. one guy yeah. that isn't. And to me, it's like. He did overthrow Diame yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, once again, I'm, I'm taking all this knowing that I saw something from Taylor yesterday. I didn't know he even had. Fair enough. It, like, Fair he, enough. he threw and I was like. Uh, Dude, I, I just, I just wanted to throw that in there. So <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm just saying is like, if you have the style of game, you have certain guys in there. And just because of the lack of success that you had at the beginning of the season, you're almost afraid to go back to anything else. To me, it's like you don't necessarily have to change your system. <laughs> it's to change if you have other guys that can step up and necessarily do the things that you need them to do and yeah. be best suited for the system to do it. It's the same. Look, Mike McDaniel's, I think, is a genius, right? 
But I think his his main genius comes in the way that he styles his runs. But the but the thing with that is I look at that and I take that with a grain of salt. I think Mike McDaniels would make a great – the reason I was so high on Mike McDaniels as a head coach was because of his personality mm-hmm. and because of his delivering of messages because I think he is like the ultimate player's coach. Yes, I think he's I the guy – He's the first millennial type guy that we've seen that can talk to these dudes on a level at which it doesn't feel top down. Yes. It doesn't. It doesn't feel that way. Almost it's feels like, like that startup culture. Like there is something about there, it. It's yeah. it's a fuck you to the John Gruden, Jeff Fisher style of coaching, right? It's the it's I'm doing things a different fucking way, and you, I love the way you said like start feels Silicon Valley like right? Like it feels yeah. like they, we're the angel investors, right? So like Correct. there's there's that angle that makes me excited about, it. and plus he knows his offense. But what I know about that offense is I know Shanahan, I know Gary Kubiak, I know Alex Gibbs, I know Mike Shanahan, I know the offense works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, the principles of the offense works, and the reason he was so excited to have Tua was that he's an accurate guy. What San Francisco was doing with Jimmy G. Perfect, and you know what he can do better than Jimmy G? Move, move around. That's perfect for what. So Mike McDaniel's like, fuck yeah, I got my guy right. <laughs> and then you add on top. I can add Tariq Hill to this. Okay, yeah. no shit. But if Tariq Hill goes down, Jalen Waddle goes down. Guess what? That offense doesn't look like. It ain't gonna look the same. Correct. Correct. Personnel matters, of course. Absolutely. Matters. It matters a ton. And it's mm-hmm. the gelling of everything together that makes anything work. I'm just saying that, like, I am, I believe in the disciples of the Air Coriel offense in the NFL. I am a believer in it. I, I am a disciple in that train of thought because I am a Joe Gibbs guy. And I don't mind that at all because, like you said, we have three Super Bowls off of it. So, like, I get it. I am not a believer in all disciples of it. Um, I am a believer in a good number of them. I just I'm don't believe think in the guy's son who executed probably better than anybody. Oh, Nor have executed that offense better than examples anybody. of dads that did really well and sons that were just. Oh, I, I get that. But I'm saying that, like, I, I believe. I feel bad. This feels personal. It's not personal. It's just. Nor- <laughs> Norval Turner was a terrible head coach. But you know what he did? Great. Oh, he's a great, OC great offensive man. mind. Yes. And that to me is like, like there, there are certain aspects of that. Now, the thing is that if you honestly want to look at it and look at have the disciples of the Air Coriel offense outside of Joe Gibbs had major success with it when it comes to Super Bowl championships. No, because <laughs> um, then I look at those. I look at those San Diego teams. Dan Fouts never got a sure. Super Bowl. Callum Winslow sure. never got a Super Bowl. Um, but I just I don't know. I'm a fan of that offense. I look at even the, the San Diego teams that North had um, back in the 2000s stuff. I'm like, eh. I like these guys. They, they put up points. They, they're fun to watch. And I just, I look at the talent we have at the skills position. And I'm, I'm dead serious when I say, if given the proper opportunity, I, we have one of the top cores in the league. I, I think we also have one of the top. I remember last week you were saying it could be the top. Did I hear yes, that? Correctly? I believe that. I believe that. That's amazing because I, I've said that since week two. I, I, I do see. No, you're also including Samuel in that, right? I guess I'm including I was thinking, Samuel. Okay, okay, okay. So we're talking trios. I'm yeah, talking trios. I was saying if we were talking duos, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure we have that. Like, no, I'm talking the trio, the, the, the guitars. No, I'm, I'm be beyond that. No, I'm talking about the skills group, the okay. running backs, overall skills, and the receivers. 
if I'm looking at those two groups together, mm-hmm. look, clearly I'm saying Cincinnati's better. They got Jamar Chase. And San Francisco's better too. Ayuk has shown now something. They have McCaffrey. They have Debo. Yep. They have Kittle. Like, Absolutely. They, yeah. They're better. Um, Philadelphia is the A.J. Brown thing. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders. Good year. I like close. Miles Sanders a lot, but I would pick Robinson and I would I would pick Robinson and Gibson over Sanders. Okay. Um, yeah, I would too. I would. But too. A.J. Brown is better than A.J. Brown is as of right now. Sure A.J. Brown is Terry. A.J. Brown is better than Terry. I don't think I think Terry has the Look, opportunity we, we, to show we can up. We be real bad. about that. Jalen Hurts is better than Taylor. He's getting the ball to A.J. Like there's there's it's not even a question. I don't right. Even uh, it, Look, I'm not trolling today. I'm just we're looking out for your heart. I'm just saying like in, in Miami, I saw the running back core in Miami because their wide receivers are where it's at. But I, I look backs are good. They John, know the system incredibly well. Stuff like that. Terry McLaurin has not had a quarterback that can deliver him the football properly. Properly. Listen, I, I agree. And Jahan Dotson has shown that if given the ball properly, mm-hmm. he's a problem. So we're not at the point yet where we talk about quarterbacks outside of the organization because we still have three games left. We're still the seven seed. I know we we had this episode where we it's gonna be an all season full of Derek Cartoff. Be prepared. You're gonna get some Lamar too. Um I'm if it's Lamar's if Lamar's an option, it's over. I mean you do everything you can, right? Every it's all done. Like I, I say it right now. But there if are some people out- that don't think he can make those throws. If Lamar Jackson and Sean Payton called up and said, we're a tandem, but Kadeen, you need oh, to smack. Oh, if we're getting both? Kadeen, you, need to, Kadeen, you need to smack your mom in the face. I'm going and smacking the shit out of my mother. <laughs> it's not, It's not, there's no blink, there's no thought process. Okay. Done deal. If but Sean Ron's going, Ron, I love you. you. Bye, guy. Right. If Sean Payton were coming to, oh my gosh, we're all over it. But really where I was going with that was, is there a scenario where we see Sam Howell at this point? Because we are still in this race, and I think it's San Fran. Our, if we get it? the if we if we get blown out by San Francisco, mm, okay. Um, which, by the way, I'm going to say the quiet thing out loud. There is a very good chance Heineke doesn't finish this game. Uh, we've talked about him being injury prone in the past, and yes, he's improved dramatically. If that offensive line that he was with yesterday does the same shit. In San Francisco, he may not get through it. Carson may not get through it. Like, this is very real. I really hope that they take the time to figure out how to give this man time to throw. Because I guarantee you, Brian Robinson's not going to have the same level of success or anything close to it. He won't. Against this. You have to throw against San Francisco. You have to. So, how do... Forget points for a moment. The goal is to win. The goal is also to survive. How do we make sure we come out healthy at QB? Because there's no way it happens if the O-line plays the way it did yesterday. You might see Sam. Dress him. Fuck. I don't dress Sam. I hate that we lost this game. I don't dress Sam. Sam does not ever see the light of day against the San Francisco team. 
Under no circumstance, I am never. I am not putting Sam Howell in. I wouldn't either. Period. I wouldn't either. This is this is Carson and Taylor figure out a way to get us out of this game. (laughs) Like this is this is these you two figure it the fuck out. You know what? Here's a powwow. Go talk about it amongst yourselves. Figure out what the fuck it is we need. Because you come look the Cleveland Dallas game. That's the thing that to me those two games. We lose against Those San are, Fran. That's my thing. I don't think it's a must win against San Fran. I know a lot of people see it that way. I don't think it is. I could see Detroit dropping one. I know they have a pretty easy schedule. I think Detroit's on fire. Better. I think they I, are too, but they're I, still I like alive. Detroit. At the end of the day, you talk about them still being the Cowboys. And what a great loss to the Jacksonville Jets. You said that's what I'm saying. I'm not worried about the Cowboys. I'm, the Lions right, but I will think... lose first round of the playoffs. Uh, you've stamped that. But they are getting it. They are getting in. I know they are getting. I know you're high, and I can and I can understand it. They I can are see them getting to the Bears. In. If Justin Fields is healthy, that is a completely random game. I, they can't keep up with them offensively. They they I, I just don't think they can keep up with them offensively. Dude, Justin's having I, Justin. Look, he was my favorite quarterback out of that draft Holy class, crap. bar none, without a doubt. That frog look at some bitch. All he needs is Patrick Mahomes' voice, and he'd be Kermit. But the the Fields is a monster. I love that dude. I just think something's happening in Detroit. I believe in the Lions. A great fucking deal to finish out the season. I really, 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 really do. There is some magic there, isn't it? All Carolina, right, so- Chicago, and Green Bay. Give me all of them. They've won six out of the last seven. The boys are balling. They are they are playing. The only team they've lost to in the last seven was three points to fucking Buffalo. They are balling. No, they're playing really well. Like they are, they are a sleeper contender and next know, year to do shit. Loved it because they go, great. Hey, we showed you guys like, you know, it's, it's great for them, man. Three games left. It's going to come down to the wire, especially if we find a random way to somehow win in San Francisco, like some crazy shit happens. My God, it's the, the key to San Fran, the sport before we should probably get out of here, but the, the, yeah, you're the, right, the, you're right. the key to San Francisco is what Washington defense shows up. Yeah, because they'll need to keep us in it close enough to let you, the referees decide. And once again, like need. I said, the San Francisco team is not the San Francisco team you think they are if you haven't paid attention to them this year. If you're just thinking about San Francisco in the ETH of the last few years, they're not what you think they are offensively. They're not. They push the ball down the field. They're not dinking and dunking. I was going to say right now, I think they're better than the, what they used to be. They the are top. The way Brock's playing right now. Purdy, guess what? Guess, guess, guess the crazy thing. Brock's better than Jimmy J. No, I know. He he has been. It's a small sample size. You can wait for his rookie moment. It better come this Saturday if we have a shot at winning. He's looked great. And you talk about the escapability and the ability to maneuver the pocket. Like he looks good right now. We'll see. They, the thing they're telling him to do more than they asked Jimmy J. And you know, know what the other the other part about it? They didn't believe in Trey Lance, which is right. At the end of last season, I predicted that Jimmy G would be the starter at some point this season. I didn't believe the trade rooms. I didn't believe any of it. The mm-hmm. reason I believed it was that the team didn't want to turn away from Jimmy. They got too close with Jimmy. But the thing with Trey Lance, when they lost, when he lost the job to Trey, the team was out on that. They didn't like that. But now that Jimmy got legitimately hurt, and he got Mr. Irrelevant shows the fuck up. They got no reason but to say, oh, well, this guy, I mean, he didn't steal anybody's job. He's just here. You know what? I'm going to mention one last thing just as we log off over here. And we appreciate you guys for listening. Um, 
mind-blowing stat. Brock Purdy has more touchdowns outside the numbers in these two, three starts than Jimmy G has in his entire San Francisco career. That is insane. They're asking him to do more and he's not doing less. It. And he and it's, is because his it. skill set works for the system, which is the only thing you should probably you might be able to say about Sam Howell. Yeah, I- I'm curious because I think Brock's success makes you wonder. Maybe we Brock's can. success is a direct line to Sam Howell to me. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see. Except the other line. Friday, 2 p.m. We'll see you guys then. Enjoy. <laughs>